This week, rapper Kanye West is spreading anti-Semitism, Jews are fighting about it, and the head of the Anti-Defamation League recently compared the man who would own Twitter, Elon Musk, to notorious anti-Semite Henry Ford. How are these things all connected? By a failure of Jewish leadership on internet policy. Let's dive in. I'm Lev Gringaus, and welcome to The Jews Are Tired, your podcast about Jewish news. This episode is sponsored by Jewfolk Inc., that's right, which is hosting its first in-person fundraising event, FolkFest, on October 30th at Minnesota Hillel. From music and art to food and fun, FolkFest 22 will be a celebration for you. In order to celebrate the 10,000 ways to be Jewish, FolkFest will have an array of activities including fun for the family, hands-on crafts, and interesting speakers. The festival will culminate with a special acoustic solo concert from Minnesota's own Peter Himmelman. For more information and to buy your tickets, go to tcjufolk.com folkfest. The link is also in the podcast notes. If you want to subscribe to our weekly TC Jufolk newsletter for all the local Minnesota Jewish news, or our new monthly podcast newsletter where you can get updates on all our podcasts, or our soon-to-fully-launch newsletter for Cincinnati Jewish news, go to tcjufolk.com and hit that subscribe button at the top of the screen. We also recently updated our food podcast, now called Not Your Bubby's Nosh, so go check that out as well. As of the release of this podcast, it's day 232 of Russia's war in Ukraine. If you want to donate to help Ukraine, there's a link in the podcast notes with resources to do that. Okay, on to the main story of this episode, internet policy, specifically content moderation policy, why it needs to be the real focus when anti-Semitism happens online, and my worry that Jewish leadership seems to be failing us when it comes to explaining and advocating for internet policy that is good for the Jews and other marginalized groups. This is especially important right now when we are on the verge of internet platforms being entirely unable to deal with anti-Semitism online. And stay with me, just hold on, push down that instant frustrated thought I know you had that said, well, they're already unable to deal with anti-Semitism online. It's not the way you think. So this sounds like a lot, but let's keep things simple and get at the why of this by starting with the big controversy of the week, Kanye West. The prolific rapper and producer has over 31 million followers on Twitter and over 18 million followers on Instagram. For some reason, West decided to post on Instagram accusing Puff Daddy, another rapper, of being manipulated by Jews. For this anti-Semitism, Instagram took down the post and temporarily locked West's account. So he went on Twitter and tweeted that he was going to go, quote, DEFCON 3 on Jewish people. That tweet got taken down by Twitter, so then West tweeted, quote, Who do you think created cancel culture? Which seems pretty obviously to be pointing again at Jews as the all-controlling and manipulating people shutting down everyone we might not like. Naturally, this has a lot of Jews angry and frustrated. West has more followers on both Instagram and Twitter than there are living Jews in this universe. We're already facing a lot of anti-Semitism with the past few years seeing record violent attacks on American Jews, and now we have to deal with this. But here's where the discourse has gone with Jews online. We're talking about how West being mentally ill, he has bipolar disorder, doesn't excuse his anti-Semitism. 
or were relitigating the historical black Jewish civil rights alliance as some Jews complain that black people aren't good enough allies to Jews when we face hate, or like the Los Angeles Holocaust Museum, were engaging in a typical let's educate approach by inviting West to visit the museum to learn about anti-Semitism. And that might sound like a completely standard sort of set of responses to anti-Semitism, but here's the problem. Want to talk about mental illness? Okay. Want to get in a fight about Jews and the civil rights movement, even though the Jews and rabbis involved in it were looked down upon by most of the American Jewish community for bothering with black civil rights? Fine. Want to talk about the Holocaust? Inescapable, really. But none of that addresses the actual core issue at play, and this is going to sound really weird, but it's because the problem is not the anti-Semitism, the problem is how easy it is for anti-Semitism to spread online on platforms like Twitter and Instagram. Now, I'm not saying anti-Semitism isn't bad and that we shouldn't be addressing it. Anti-Semitism is obviously bad. But the bigger issue with Kanye West's anti-Semitism is that he has a combined 50 million followers on Twitter and Instagram who had easy, direct access to consume and be influenced by his anti-Semitism. This is a communication and an access problem, and a question of how platforms deal with that kind of thing. In other words, a policy problem about moderating hate online, especially given that Kanye West is far from the only person spreading anti-Semitism online. And just to be explicit about this, because some people need the reminder, don't make the mistake of getting so focused on anti-Semitism from black Americans like West that you forget about the waves of institutional anti-Semitism coming from white people and white politicians in this country. West is a useful example for this episode as a public figure and what he represents, which recently has actually been a lot of white supremacist ideology. But a lot of fine lines here to sort of zero in on West when there's a lot of anti-Semitism online from a lot of people, including lots of white people, that doesn't get the kind of outcry that West got. And this isn't just a question for social media platforms, obviously. Kanye West recently went on Tucker Carlson's Fox News show, where he also said anti-Semitic stuff. Fox News, coincidentally, has more viewership than CNN and MSNBC combined, and runs on white nationalist and Russian propaganda. And Carlson's show has the largest audience in cable news. That's a huge platform for West's anti-Semitism, also for Carlson's anti-Semitism, but we can talk about fixing Fox News in another podcast for another time. Let's keep our eyes on the ball, which in this case, again, is internet policy, so let's get into what I actually mean by that. Coming back to Kanye West's post and tweet that got taken down, companies like Twitter and Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, have a First Amendment right under the U.S. Constitution to edit, moderate, and manage the content that appears on their platforms. The government can't force them on whether or how to take down content or, you know, even to leave it up. The companies get to decide that on their own. And that's why social media companies can legally take down West's anti-Semitic posts, and West can't sue them for it. I mean, he can try, but it probably won't go anywhere. That's the legal how of social media dealing with this sort of content. But as private companies, there's also a question of why, meaning the actual motivation that the company cares at all about trying to moderate anti-Semitism and other hate speech on their platform. Now, this sounds pretty straightforward, right? Bad content can be taken down, and if the platform cares, they will take it down. 
there's obviously a whole lot more to this, like the fact that it's impossible to straightforwardly moderate content for millions of posts and comments a day. There's also the real complaint many Jews have that these platforms really suck at taking down obviously anti-Semitic and hateful stuff, which is why we still have way too much Holocaust denial floating around online. But for the sake of this episode, let's keep things simple. As Jews, we want there to be less anti-Semitism online. The legal ability and the private motivation allows companies to try and do that, which, despite our frustrations, they have been trying to do in recent years. Again, that's why Kanye West's anti-Semitic posts got taken down, and to be fair, taken down pretty quickly. But there is a real possibility that companies will soon not have the ability or the motivation to deal with anti-Semitism and other hate online. In other words, Kanye West's anti-Semitic posts wouldn't be taken down or blocked at all, and neither would anyone else's anti-Semitic posts. So what's happening? Well, let's start with the challenge to the legal ability of companies to moderate content. A lot of people, for a variety of reasons, are angry at social media companies and think that they need to be more regulated. Some of those people include Republicans, who are angry because they think social media discriminates against conservative viewpoints online. This is not true, by the way. Despite some high-profile examples like Donald Trump being taken off Twitter, every piece of data analysis, including from social media companies themselves, shows that the top-performing posts and articles are consistently right-wing. Nonetheless, with this made-up concern about conservative voices being silenced online, a variety of Republican-controlled states have been passing or trying to pass legislation to regulate social media companies. Some of those efforts, like in Utah and Florida, have been shot down, but Texas has been a different story. The Texas legislature passed a law that pretends to be about stopping online censorship, but it defines the term censor as, quote, to block, ban, remove, deplatform, demonetize, deboost, restrict, deny equal access or visibility to, or to otherwise discriminate against expression, end quote. Now, that's a lot of words, but they boil down to the basic tools a place like Twitter uses to moderate content. Kanye West's anti-Semitic tweet was blocked and removed, and his account was temporarily put on hold, which in turn denied access and visibility for the tweet to everyone else on Twitter. Which, from a Jewish standpoint, is good. Twitter took down the anti-Semitism and made it so people couldn't see it anymore. And this is where we run smack into the issue with the Texas social media law. Under that law, Twitter wouldn't have been able to do any of those things, and the anti-Semitic tweet would have been forced by the law to stay up. Here's how broadly this Texas law is written. Social media can't censor, quote, a user, a user's expression, or a user's ability to receive the expression of another person based on, one, the viewpoint of the user or another person, Two, the viewpoint represented in the user's expression or another person's expression. Or three, a user's geographic location in this state or any part of this state. End quote. Translating that to normal English with a Jewish example, under this law, Twitter cannot stop someone from posting the Holocaust is a fake event made up by Jews. Twitter can't delete that tweet because the tweet is expression from a user and Twitter would be held legally liable for discriminating against a viewpoint by doing so. 
Twitter also can't stop other people and users from seeing that post or tweet, which would be another way to stop it from spreading. But stopping other users seeing this Holocaust denial would be shutting down, quote, a user's ability to receive the expression of another person based on the user or another person. So this Texas law is a huge violation of established First Amendment law about private companies' ability to moderate content on their own platform. And you might be thinking, okay, so Texas has a crazy law. How does that affect the rest of us in, say, Minnesota? Well, the internet is really hard to keep track of across state lines. It's hard to suddenly have one vastly different corner of Twitter or TikTok just for Texas. What if someone uses a VPN and Twitter can't tell that person is in Texas and moderates something they say, thus running into the Texas law by accident? Too much of a risk. So the easiest option for social media companies ends up to apply the Texas law to their entire platform to try and avoid any issues with it. So all of Twitter, no matter where you are, would become more easily populated by hateful content. Because you can argue any piece of hateful content is just a viewpoint, and Twitter would struggle to legally take it down under this Texas law. Normally, this kind of completely absurd law would be shut down as unconstitutional, and that's what happened at first. A district court judge in Texas threw out the law for violating the First Amendment. But on appeal, the case went to the Fifth Circuit Appeals Court, which upheld the law. So now this law goes to the Supreme Court for a final round of judging, which the Supreme Court could say, nope, we're not dealing with this, and let the law come into effect. Or they can rule on it and say it's unconstitutional and throw it down. Or they can rule on it, and with a conservative majority that has already broken a lot of legal precedents because they felt like it, the Supreme Court could uphold the law in part or in whole. Which is a long way of saying, if you want anti-Semitism taken down online, that's not going to happen after this law. Or if it does, it will be much, much harder if this law or parts of this law come into effect. If you want to learn more about this, there are some good explainers from the Washington Post and Tech Dirt in the podcast notes. But wait, there's more, because Twitter, through a bizarre and convoluted series of legal fights and shitposts, is on the verge of being bought by billionaire rabble-rouser Elon Musk, the guy behind the poorly built electric cars from Tesla. There's a million things to potentially say about Musk and the truly wild journey of his attempt to buy Twitter, which I'll just leave a link in the podcast notes to an Atlantic and Verge story about it if you want to learn more. But the main issue at play is that Musk has expressed a lot of viewpoints on content moderation that would frankly be bad for the Jews. Essentially, Musk has also taken up the Republican complaints about censorship online and wants there to be more unmoderated speech on Twitter. And that's why, as the Anti-Defamation League, the leading Jewish anti-hate advocacy and research organization, noted in April, neo-Nazis and white supremacists are really excited about Musk buying Twitter. They think he's going to stop moderating and shutting down hateful content, which obviously includes anti-Semitism. If you want to read it, a link to the article the ADL wrote about that is in the podcast notes. Now, Musk is notoriously hard to predict, but it's a real concern at this point that if Elon Musk does buy Twitter, as it seems increasingly likely he'll do, that Twitter will lose its will as a company to go out and actually try to deal with anti-Semitism and hate on its platform. At best, there will be a weird, personal, random decision-making around what is dealt with and how. Elon Musk is friends with Kanye West. 
Is he going to hear West out and say, no, no, the anti-Semitic tweet is fine, or listen to Jews once and then leave other anti-Semitism in place? It's really like Russian roulette with this guy. So Jews online are between a rock and a hard place, between the legal issues of the Texas social media bill and Twitter's potential owner, we are likely to have far less protection against hate, harassment, and anti-Semitism online. Kanye West or no Kanye West, in the grand scheme of things, we're looking at a crisis, frankly, on what Jewish life online will look like moving forward and how much anti-Semitism and racism and hate will get worse all around. That brings us to the final part of this episode and my other big concern with this stuff. Where is the Jewish leadership on internet policy in regards to these issues? Where is the effort to help our community understand what's going on and advocate against these dangerous developments and for better, more thoughtful regulation of social media companies? Our best bet is the Anti-Defamation League. ADL researchers study this stuff. They are some of the foremost authorities on extremism and hate online and are a huge part of the conversation on how to address this stuff through changing internet policy and regulations. I'll leave some links in the podcast notes to parts of their website where they talk about internet policy. Not necessarily to the depth I'm satisfied with, honestly, but they're there. But seemingly something is not getting through at the top of the ADL. Here's example number one. In response to Kanye West's tweets, here's what the ADL tweeted. Quote, The behavior exhibited this week by Kanye West is deeply troubling, dangerous, and anti-Semitic, period. There is no excuse for his propagating of white supremacist slogans and classic anti-Semitism about Jewish power, especially with the platform he has. End quote. Honestly, that's a pretty boilerplate condemnation of anti-Semitism. But pay attention to the last little bit. That, that, you know, especially with the platform he has. Language like that keeps us, as Jews in the Jewish community, focused on trying to fix the individual anti-Semitism that pops up from West and any number of other people. Oh, he has a platform, he should be more responsible with it, let's get him to see the light or try and shut him down. We need to understand that anti-Semitism online is not just a Kanye West problem. It's not just an individual having a lot of followers issue. This isn't some random platform we know nothing about and have no influence over as citizens of this country. This is an American company that abides by certain rules and laws, rules and laws that could be changing very soon that influence how anti-Semitism is dealt with online. If we don't understand the mechanics of that, of these platforms, we can't stop the bad changes, and we definitely can't try to make good changes, and instead we'll keep fighting over every unfixable aspect of this problem and fighting over the philosophy of anti-Semitism instead of trying to work on an actual big-picture solution to what is a really huge, complicated problem tied up in all kinds of speech issues, hate and harassment online. And look, I understand the need to get out there with a condemnation of, you know, famous person did anti-Semitism, say something. But for the ADL to, at this stage, not be focusing on the broader issues at play with content moderation that are really encapsulated in this whole situation, it's baffling to me. We won't fix anti-Semitism online by focusing one person and follower count at a time, no matter how big they are. And it's frustrating that the organization most equipped to inform the Jewish community on the need, frankly, to change our strategy on this, seems to be struggling to do so. And that leads me to the final example of this, a mistake made by Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the ADL, a week ago on Friday. 
Greenblatt was on CNBC talking about Elon Musk and the potential for Musk to own Twitter. And Greenblatt said, quote, Elon Musk is an extraordinary innovator, the Henry Ford of our time, end quote. Now, this is plainly stupid. Greenblatt was talking about Musk's business sense and, to be fair, raging success with companies like Tesla and SpaceX. Musk does have a very impressive business resume. I get it. Henry Ford was the big-name business guy equivalent of the early 20th century. The problem is, Henry Ford was also a raging anti-Semite and supporter of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis, so comparing him to Musk in a good way for Jews is, is weird. So again, obviously a stupid comparison for Jews to be making favorably. But I don't actually care about it directly. Greenblatt is head of an organization that deals with a million things, he's got a lot on his plate, we all say and do stupid stuff. Fine. He apologized for talking well about Henry Ford afterward. Here's the actual issue I have with this. What is the head of the ADL doing? Going on TV, talking nice about a guy who, if he owns Twitter, according to the ADL itself, it will probably be bad for a lot of people, including the Jews. What are we doing when the head of the ADL is out here talking like Elon Musk might just business think our way out of content moderation, speech, and regulation problems. What does that mean for how Jews approach a change that might really not be good for us, no matter how business-savvy Elon Musk might be? And again, in some sense, I get it. If Musk is going to own Twitter and run things on such a personal, unpredictable, tech-bro basis, then to have a spot at the table, I guess you got to try buttering him up and saying nice things about him. If that's the reality, someone has to play the game. But setting aside everything that's wrong with that kind of tech bro culture and what it could mean for Jewish safety online, I'm still incredibly frustrated that this is the public approach Jonathan Greenblatt and the ADL chose to take. Again, where does that leave us? If anti-Semitism increases under Musk's ownership, do the Jews just try asking really nicely for him to help us and say how pretty and smart Musk is to motivate him? What are we doing here? This kind of approach fits into the same thing as before, on a public level making it seem like we don't have many options to address hate online. We do. The ADL knows a lot about some of the things we can do that involve actual internet policy. But why isn't that the public conversation, to inform Jews about what's going on? And frankly, it's not like First Amendment law or personal motivations are the only thing that can affect content moderation by companies. We've got a whole government agency, the Federal Trade Commission, whose job it is to regulate and rein in big, powerful companies like social media companies. But the FTC is understaffed and underpaid and therefore can do very little. But when it comes to Twitter, I'm not seeing Greenblatt and the ADL talk about how important it is for Jews to, I don't know, maybe advocate for more resources for the FTC to bypass any potential problems with Musk owning Twitter. Instead, here we are continuing to yell at each other about individual tweets as if that's going to solve anything, while our Jewish leaders and organizations who have real expertise in these issues, I can't stress this enough, they know about these things, Greenblatt knows about these things, seem to not be able to translate that expertise into clear Jewish public policy that Jews can understand and rally behind. Or they'd rather translate that to sweet-talking the tech bros. By the way, as Jewish media, we're not blameless. We typically only cover online and hate issues from a, you know, Jewish leaders said X perspective versus having dedicated coverage and talking to actual First Amendment and content moderation experts about this stuff. But I still can't help but be really baffled that especially at a moment like this, 
When Jewish online safety is distinctly at risk because of bad policy and potentially bad ownership, Kanye West did an anti-Semitism, and that's as far as that conversation will go until the next high-profile anti-Semitic tweet. This has been this week's The Jews Are Tired podcast. I'm Lev Gringaus. Don't forget to subscribe and share, and hopefully next week the Jews will get some rest. The Jews Are Tired is a product of Jewfolk Inc. For more information, go to tcjewfolk.com or email the show at podcast at tcjewfolk.com. A link to the transcript of this episode is available in the podcast notes, along with links to any news stories or reports referenced for this episode.